Hello and welcome to episode 27 of West New York Brews, Buffalo's beer and brewing podcast. My name is Scott. I'm a home brewer just outside of Buffalo, New York. On this episode, we talk to Rudy, Rudy Bob Watkins from Thin Man Brewery, and talk about when they expect to get their brewery operations going so that we can have some Thin Man beer that's been brewed on premises. Also, if you are listening to this on the day that it comes out, Thursday, August 18th, Tonight is the Kevin Wise fundraiser at Pettibones. I hope to see you there. It's from 6 to 9 p.m. at Pettibones Grill. Uh, that's part of the baseball park downtown. I don't know what they call that right now. Is Coca-Cola Field? Probably, right? <laughs> right. Um, it's still Pilot Field in my head. Sorry. Anyway, uh, I hope to see you there. I'll be there. I'm not recording. I'm just just there to uh, to hang out and to talk and, and to try some beer. Um I, again, I hope to see you there. Tickets are $40. If it's not sold out, I believe they will have them at the door. And last night, uh, we got to hear the Rearview Ramblers at Larkin Square. They they just released their debut EP called Buffalo Americana. And our theme song is, of course, from the Rearview Ramblers and on that CD. It's called You Can't Buy Beer With Condolences. If you're drinking with me, we are starting right now in three, two, one. Sitting here with with Rudy Watkins from Thin Man Brewery, sitting in Elmwood on the top floor, sitting in a comfy, cozy attic. Comfy, cozy attic. Yes. So, explain to me how you came to be at Thin Man. Sure. So, the opportunity was presented to me to uh, to come to Thin Man, and it just I've known Mike Schatzel for years, and the opportunity was just too good to pass up. Uh, yeah. Essentially, it was right up my alley. So I came over here, and I've been developing recipes and kind of ideas since late January. Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably got about 50 or 60 different test batches wow. uh, under my belt since then, um, some of which have been wonderful, some of which have needed you know, some tweaking, and some of which we just won't speak about. <laughs> but you're from Buffalo originally. Right. Uh, so your beer journey has brought you through other breweries around here. Yep. Uh, how'd you get started brewing? Um, we'll say commercially. Yeah, commercially. So I probably started brewing, um, so I'm 38 now. So maybe 2001 or so, I started getting into better beer. Um, mm-hmm. I was buying things like a lot of hoppy things. I was buying uh, Dogfish Head 90 Minute back was it, when it was in 750s. Uh-huh. Uh, at Premier, I was buying Hop Devil at Premier. Um, Premier at that point was really one of the only places to go for good craft beer in Buffalo. And my parents saw me getting into that. And then one year for Christmas or my birthday, they bought me a homebrew kit. So I got really excited about that. I brewed that. And my first batch was not good. Uh, it was not <laughs> infected in any way. Uh-huh. Um, I wasn't doing measurements, but my guess is if it started at, it was a stout, if it started at 1050, it probably finished at 1043 or something okay. like that. So it was kind of like drinking Malta Goya, um, <laughs> yeah. but just a tiny bit of alcohol. I, and I foisted that upon my friends and they were kind enough to drink it and not make too much of a face. That's um, great. But I was always really into cooking uh, and it kind of grew as a natural extension of that. Also, being 21, 22, it was a whole lot cheaper to make five gallons of an IPA than to spend the ridiculous sum at that point of $10 for a 750 of um, 90-minute. Yeah. So kind of grew to you know brewing once every month, once every two months, to brewing more frequently, more frequently, to eventually brewing 
two to three times a week and just wow. kind of the analogy I always use is it's kind of like your friend who grows zucchini. Uh, so your friend who grows zucchini is just like, here, take zucchini. Just take it. Gotcha. I enjoyed growing it. Now I have bushels of it to get rid of. So it eventually became, uh, <laughs> I eventually had a whole ton of beer to get rid of. And then. So it, it was good to be your friend. It was, yeah. During it, this time. Yeah. Assuming the batches turned out well. Excellent. It, it worked out really well. And then in maybe 2010 or so, we formed uh, or tried to form the Buffalo Homebrew Collective, which was mm-hmm. a group that the goal of that was to have a common space where brewers could meet uh, and share equipment and order in bulk and that kind of stuff. That never really came to fruition, but a core group of that ended up forming Community Beer Works, and that was my ah. first professional gig. Uh, so I was there for the first, for about three and a half years, and then moved over here. This seems like the white whale. All my homebrewing friends always talk about doing something like that. It's, hey, wouldn't uh, it be great if we right? could just get a space, share equipment? It's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. But the problem that we kind of found with that was everyone would want it Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Gotcha. And you need to pay rent. And in order to make it make sense, you needed a large group of people to buy into it. Mm-hmm. But there's so many people have garage space or yeah. you know a driveway or something like that, and they're already comfortable enough doing it there. Why should they spend money, uh, additional money, why should they essentially pay for that rent um, for another space where they can already, they already have the ability to do what they're doing. So, okay, so you left CBW to come right here, or was there a step in between? Nope, right here. Mike came by, threw something over your head and grabbed you and took you out. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. Well, yes. How big of a system you got? So we have a 15-barrel system here, so 31 times 15, so just under 500 gallons, whatever that is. Yeah. Um... We have that going on. Uh, I have eight 15 barrel fermenters, two 15 barrel bright tanks. So you can certainly you can keep the tap room running here. And yeah, there hopes to get it out. Yeah, we're going to see how too. distribution works. I think um, based on what numbers we've seen from other breweries that have opened in Western New York, when we first open up, the vast majority or everything will be consumed on site uh-huh. um, at the restaurant. And then when we get into you know February when things are a little slow or when we're not quite the new. The shiny new thing, the, um, new thing, the demand yeah. will pull back a little bit, <laughs> and then there'll be some distribution of beers. All right. So how big is this space that we're in? It's it's tall, for sure, but it seems like a small area to get 15 barrels into. The the brewery itself is, uh, it's it's a very compact setup. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, I keep telling people it's a, a silly idea to put a 15-barrel brew house in an old house on <laughs> yeah. Elmwood. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really, really compact for Buffalo, but then yeah. I have brewer friends from Toronto come down who have you know, brew pubs in small Toronto areas. And they're like, you have so much space. What are you complaining about? So it's all relative. Uh, It is a tight space. There's not a lot of room for expansion on site, although we do have some hopes for some stuff for the future. Nothing 100%. Um, But yes, it's, it's a very efficient use of the square footage that we have. Now, why this area right here in Elmwood? Uh, I think, you know, in terms of walkability, in terms of the density, in terms of the demographics of the people, this is pretty much... The, the epicenter of where right. you want to be. The the craft beer revolution in Buffalo, certainly, you know, Dan over at Pizza Plant was yep. doing stuff forever. Um, but really, it kind of started down at Cole's and Mr. Goodbar in, in the last 10 or 15 years. And that's not to discount the work of a million other people. But Elmwood has kind of been the center of craft beer, mm-hmm. um, at least in terms of, of bars. And it's, a, it's just a great, great opportunity. We're right in the walkable center. So it's yourself, and do you have a team of brewers? I do have a team. Uh, PJ and Ryan are going to be helping me out. Uh-huh. Um, PJ and Ryan are both great home brewers, uh, and uh, it'll be it'll be really really wonderful. I can't wait until we actually <laughs> fire up that brew house. Maybe tomorrow. 
Excellent. And we're recording this, so you can keep track. We're recording this on August 1st. Right. So we're maybe looking at 8 to 16. There you go. Oh, it's an equation. That's the, the boiler should at least be fired up. I'm hoping to have to actually brew beer maybe more like the 20th. Make we'll some see. clams. Yeah. A whole, whole, <laughs> whole lot of clams. So that first batch, do you have it in your head what it's going to be? Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to fill out those eight fermenters relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. And the first, my plan, my current plan is that the first two brews are going to be relatively, I don't want to say simple. Yeah. But they're going to be the beers that are going to be a little more forgiving and, frankly, a little less expensive to make in case I yeah. happen to screw them up while I'm learning how to use this system. New system. So when we eventually launch beers on site, we will probably have six or eight beers available. Okay. But the first two beers that will get brewed just to kind of get me knowing the system are going to be some Belgian pale ales that are, are going to be delicious, going to be complex, uh-huh. but I'm not throwing $2,000 worth of hops in each batch and right. then potentially losing $2,000 worth of hops because I forgot to flip a switch or something like that. So there's going to be a Belgian pale that's 100% fermented with uh, Brett C. Wow, it's tasting okay. really, really good. Uh, and then there's a kind of... The best kind of proxy description is something like uh, Durank 2X Bitter or uh, De La Sen Terrace Bulba. Those are probably mm-hmm. going to be the first two batches that we brew here. Those will be a little more forgiving, like I said, and those don't have the huge hop bill. So in case I do forget to chill it or right. push the wrong valve or something like that, it's not the end of the world. So uh, starting up a brewery, I've, I've never gotten to ask this question before. Starting up a brewery, is that so, do you want to fill all of your fermenters at once or do you want to leave a couple so you can offset? You know, there's a couple schools of thought. I'm, I'm confident enough that everything is going to be good out of the gate, yeah. that I'm okay filling all eight fermenters. Uh, I am well aware that there's always room for improvement. Uh-huh. And the first eight batches are not going to be the most perfect best things that ever come out of this brewery right. and they shouldn't you know whatever we're learning but i'm confident enough that everything that comes out is going to be real good and i can make some tweaks to the second iteration of batches and the third iteration of batches and, and right. those kinds of things and i have some experience stepping up batches from smaller systems onto larger systems so i already know a lot of things that i need to adjust going from the test batches that i've done in my driveway at five gallons nice. to uh to the batches <laughs> here driveway at test gallon right Tri- exactly test batches. exactly great. yeah so both of those you said were belgians yeah are you looking to stay towards a belgian so we have basically what i've been telling folks is we have three areas that we're going to focus on uh-huh. um, we're going to focus on belgian things and that specific focus is going to be because I think it's a little more interesting, more towards kind of the funky Belgians, some Brett-influenced things, some more complex fermentation and grain characters. Okay. Um, we're going to be focusing on hoppy stuff, IPAs, pale ales, because mm-hmm. you need to make IPAs and pale ales because people really, really love them. And those, at this point, are kind of split between the New England treehousey, trillium-y kind of thing okay. and some more kind of traditional... A little more malt character, a little more bitterness than than the new East Coast style. Okay. And then also sour stuff. We're going to be doing a bunch of sour stuff as well. So those are the three focuses. There's room for a million things. I've got a really nice uh, coffee imperial stout that we're going to be doing probably among the first few batches. Yeah. Uh, all kinds of fun things. So do you have a lab? Here. We do have a small lab set up. I actually awesome. just ordered a uh, a stainless table that I can that I can set all that stuff up on. So right right now the lab is a closet, um, and most of my lab equipment is at my house because I'm using the pH meter and the right. microscope and all that kind of stuff uh, over there to check on things. But yeah, there will be a lab. But for more, and that's for very basic, simple stuff, yeast counting. Um, that sort of thing. For more advanced things, uh, we will be sending batches off to a legit lab 
and right. making sure that, okay, great, there's not PD or lacto in this IPA that shouldn't have it, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Now, my, my homebrewer friends who will hopefully be listening because I'll make sure. Hi, guys. My homebrewer friends are all salivating over the, the thought of using a 15-barrel system and having all the equipment. Right. When you moved from homebrewing to pro-brewing, was that kind of like a giddy kid in a toy store kind oh, of Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, And every time you make a change, it's crazy. So when you go from 5 gallons to 50 gallons, it's insane, and you say, wow, I just, you know, that would have taken me two weeks of brewing every day to do. Right. Uh, or going from 50 gallons to you know, 400 gallons or something like that is, yeah. is a similar, uh, really exciting thing. It's, it's ultimately, there's always a whole lot to learn, but really it's about figuring out what valves to open and close when, <laughs> once you, once you have the general right. process down and, and you know, the, the, the quirks of any given system, yeah. it's, you know, okay, how do I cleanly move beer from point A to point B? Right. And anything that goes wrong, just blame PJ or Ryan. I no, I'm sure that that won't. <laughs> nothing, nothing like that will ever happen. All right, so we're looking at boiling tomorrow. You said uh, possibly starting to brew at the end of August. So when are you looking at getting the first batches out? Well, hopefully starting to brew more like mid to late August. Uh -huh. um, I'm looking, hoping that we can have some stuff for early September. But uh, as I was telling you before we turned on the mics uh, three weeks ago, I was telling people that we'd be brewing in three weeks, and now I'm telling people that we'll brew in two and a half weeks. Right. So things get delayed, things get pushed back. You don't but want to rush this. The current, hopefully workable goal is to have very early September have beer on hand. Right. Um, the the I would be incredibly furious. Date is if we somehow missed Buffalo Beer Week. That better okay. not happen. Knock on yeah. knock on wood. Um. But yeah, that's that's the goal, and it'll it'll be some of the some of the Brett beers, some of the funkier beers won't be out necessarily yeah. at first, but they'll get there. Just made Willard very happy. <laughs> always, <laughs> it's always my goal. Has it been a bumpy road to get to the production? No, I mean it's a it's a complex thing to build out a brewery, right. uh, and you know the state and city have been very friendly and very helpful with okay. regards to getting all that kind of stuff set up. Uh, would I have liked to have brewed five weeks ago? Absolutely. Right. But I get that things take longer than you hope and expect, and they cost more than you hope or expect. And that's just kind of <laughs> that's just kind of how things work. Yeah. Uh, I don't think anything's been really too bumpy up to this point. Oh, good. And and bringing it to bumpy, the Thin Man uh, name yes is named after what? So uh, the Thin Man was the first crash test dummy that was developed in Buffalo. Uh -huh. We're looking at the idea of kind of ingenuity that has happened in Buffalo and the surrounding area and kind of adding on to that. So lots of things have been either through industry or art or whatever. Buffalo has been a, a hub of, of inspiration and ingenuity for a long, long time. So kind of building upon that past history and growing from there. That's kind of the idea behind the Thin Man. And frankly... Um, one of the reasons behind Thin Man is because it makes a really great logo. It's uh, a cool logo. <laughs> and it's really, it's something that's really, really easy to say. It's easy yeah. to remember. It's easy to say. You've got food here, right? We Tremendous do. kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Bruce in the kitchen, uh, Bruce and Dustin and their whole team do really, really wonderful work. Um, lots of great stuff with pork, lots of great stuff with veggies. Uh, nice. the, the roast carrots are to die for. You should really, uh, yeah. give those a try. They're just amazing. Uh, they're doing a vegetarian banh mi, which is really killer. And then they have, uh, among other things, they have the bacon nubs, which is basically big old hunks of uh, 
pork belly that's deep fried and it is is magical pretty much everything's made in house uh mm-hmm. aside from the bread so the sausage is all made in house the ribs are all smoked in house oh, wow. all the sauces um so everything is everything is in house and it's all it's all real real delicious right and in typical Schatzel fashion you have 24 taps downstairs we have 24 taps downstairs right and the goal is once we are brewing to fill as many of those as possible with house beers uh-huh. it's a question of how men how much we're able to produce versus how much we're selling uh, and I think in the busier times in the summer it's going to be a little more difficult to keep that full but yeah. in the winter those should kind of the number of, of house taps should kind of boost up and we'll keep running you know great guest beers from the wonderful breweries around the world right uh, so if you know maybe it doesn't make sense for us to make a pilsner because right it's a little more time intensive and frankly if i can spend eight or 12 weeks making a pilsner or eight or 12 weeks making a brett beer i would rather make a brett beer so we'll keep running the kumbacher pilsner as much around because i you know i i think i can make some decent beer i can't make as good a beer as a german brewery that's been making pilsner <laughs> for 500 years they've kind of got it on lockdown right you know and things like Allagash White is perfect. Why would you try to compete with Allagash White? It's there's Hashtag there's literally nothing better White. than Allagash White. So those kinds of beers, you know, certainly keep those on. And then the things that we excel at kind of focus on those sorts of things. Excellent. Uh, ingredients. Where are you sourcing your ingredients from? Sure. So that is a that is a great question. Um, just got the majority of our hop contract starting next year set up. So the majority of those are coming from the Pacific Northwest. And also some New Zealand and Australian hops. Nice. We will certainly be using uh, a bunch of local hops whenever possible. I know a bunch of the local producers have started pelletizing now, which is key. Yeah. Uh, using the whole leaf is a pain for a number of reasons, and I get why. I, I, I get that it's very expensive to pelletize, but for yeah. our needs, for our uses, we really, really need to have pelletize. Um, so I've loved, in the past, uh, Bob Johnson up in Niagara County. Yeah. I've really, really loved some of his hops, so I, I would love to use some of Bob's hops in the future. In terms of grain... Again, the majority of our stuff for now is going to mm-hmm. be Canadian and, and kind of Midwest U.S., sure. but certainly incorporating, again, some of Bob's malts from Niagara County, mm-hmm. um, some stuff from a little bit out east, Batavia, Rochester, those kinds of places. Yeah, it's been amazing in the four or five years that I've been professionally brewing, watching the quantity and variety and quality of the local malts and hops uh, improve. Mm-hmm. So... It's really, really exciting. There's always new people opening up. There's always lots of new fun stuff to try. So incorporating that as much as possible, but not. It, we're not a farm brewery. It's not going to be 100%. It's not going to be 50%. Right. So the, the water coming in. Yeah. Are you doing a lot to the water? Not a ton. So, I mean, we're certainly doing some stuff. So we've got a sediment filter that mm-hmm. it hits first, and then we've got a carbon filter. So basically we have a huge Brita that will do 30 <laughs> gallons a minute. Um, so we've got that coming in. That's our base water. We're not doing reverse osmosis or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And then just depending on what we're brewing, um, adjusting the pH of the water so the mash is at the right temp, so the sparge is at the right temp, you yeah. know, throwing in some gypsum or whatever to kind of drive or or reduce certain characteristics. Right. Um, but we're not we're not doing reverse osmosis and just building up from nothing. Anything else you want to add that you guys are doing that you're proud of that you want to? I'm really looking forward to experimenting with different fun yeasts and bacterias um and that's kind of going to be a focus here and i'm hoping that that buffalo and western new york really kind of latches onto that i've got a bunch of really fun cool test batches that i think based on you know what we've been selling by carrying other people's beers i think that it's going to work real well but i'm just excited to see what the reaction is to the kinds of stuff we're going to be putting out 
Thank you very much. Absolutely, man. So again, thank you to Rudy, Rudy Bob Watkins from Thin Man Brewery. As you heard, they have started up their system and they expect to have beer coming up in the next couple of weeks. That's really exciting. Again, if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, hopefully I'll see you at the Kevin Wise fundraiser tonight. Uh, Buffalo Beer Biochemist. And as always, his website is still up. You should go check it out. There's some really, really good material on there. Uh, BuffaloBeerBiochemist.com. I'll see you out there tonight. We are about to go out on the Rearview Ramblers. You can't buy beer with condolences. And with their permission, I'm going to be updating the theme song and the closing here with the new recorded version of You Can't Buy Beer with Condolences. As always, thank you for listening. If you wouldn't mind rating and reviewing on iTunes, that is greatly appreciated. Write a review so that other people can find out about us. You can also find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash WNY Brews. You can find us on Twitter at WNY Brews. And I'm pretty sure you can find me just like walking around your neighborhood bar because that's that's what I do. So thank you for listening. This is episode 27. You can find the show notes at wnybrews.com forward slash episode 27. And I'll see you on episode 28. Because you can't buy beer with condolences.